It doesn't matter if you're running a multi-billion rand global organization or you're the CEO of your own spaza selling spaz for kokas. The principles of running a business remain the same. The core decisions you need to make are also the same. Different in scale and approach, but when you get down to the fundamental decisions, the frameworks for making them have a lot more in common than you think. So come on a walk with us as we explore the jungle of doing business. I'm Katakani Baloyi, a commercial strategist specializing in enterprise and supplier development. I'm Lungam Simang, a human capital strategist. And I'm Mo Malele, marketing events and go-to-market strategist. And together, we'll be discussing various scenarios the typical business person, be they a corporate professional or an intrepid entrepreneur, might come across during their career. We'll unpack the challenges, discuss different mental models for working through them, and share our perspectives on practical solutions you could apply in your business. Corporate or startup, there's always safety in numbers. Take the journey with us. It's, It's a, a jungle, jungle out there. Mo, let's actually look at it from your business. Like, what's the question that you're asking around hiring people? So the question we have in the business is, how do we plug the gaps that us as founders have? Mm-hmm. That's the biggest question. Plugging the gaps that the founders inherently have okay. that we have identified yeah. are limiting growth. Okay. Yeah. Can we like unpack that a little bit? Like, how did you guys get to the point of, shit, we've got gaps? Like, how did you... What happened that made you guys sort of wake up and realize that maybe we don't have the capacity or the skills to do this at the level that we need to be at? That's a good question because one of the first things to solving a problem is realizing what you don't know. Correct. And I don't know what I don't know mm-hmm. until everything's falling apart and I have to then figure <laughs> everything out. So I'd say in a nutshell, I'd say the biggest thing is realizing that the business isn't growing mm-hmm. as it should be growing profitably and sustainably mm. despite all the work that is being done so it felt like you were like paddling in circles mm. kind of yeah so you can a, see that people are putting in the hours the team is genuinely working yeah uh, we are working yeah but we're not growing at the rate that you would expect that amount of work being put in to be growing at yeah so then as a leader you kind of had to then take a step back to be like what are we not getting right so we, so yeah. there are obvious gaps that the work that is already being done yeah. is not filling. Yeah. Right? And that was the question. And that's the question I'm asking yeah. as, as a person looking at, you know, team dynamics and, and how we fill in those gaps and so forth. Yeah. But quick question. I want to understand how you settled on the realization that it was potentially a, a, a people thing. So, for example, you've been in business. You've been successful up until now. The things you have done have taken you to the point you've gotten to right now. Correct. Right. So how do you know it's not just market forces turning? How did you establish that it's not them, it's us? How did you get there? When a job needs to get done or when a task rather needs to get done and who is and, and whose responsibility is it is to get it done is a crick crick moment where everybody's like um <laughs> it, it actually no it's more operations no it's actually more marketing no it's actually more the sales guy no it's actually more something that the ceo should be doing no the md no then it becomes an issue of there's a task that needs to get done that's very important mm-hmm. and there is no it's nobody's actually no doing it no one's putting their hand up for mm-hmm. it no one's putting their hand up mm-hmm. for it but you guys are all working that can see your deliverables mm-hmm. but these tasks are not actually sufficiently getting done mm-hmm. and now let me put you out of your miseries and be a bit more specific yes which is something i know a lot of the guys out there will be able to relate to 
um, especially when you're a startup and whatnot, mm -hmm. is the responsibility of sales and business development and marketing the company. Yeah. So whose job it is it to do that specifically or something? That's one of sort of the gaps we have in the business because yeah. we do all of the work. And you know how they always say that like your best work you will never do for yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. Like I think even even as a corporate, your best strategy that you sell to another company will yeah. not be for yourself. It'll be a strategy you sold to somebody else. Yeah. So oftentimes what you do for others, you struggle to do for yourself. And those are the gaps that lie in. Okay. Cause you're so busy working. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's, and, and, and that's the gap that I've realized in my company. We're so busy doing the work <laughs> that we forget about everything else that it actually takes to grow and run the business. Cause and we're so busy in the trenches, in the coal mines, yeah. you know, doing the work. Yeah. Well, in my life, I call that the consultant's curse. <laughs> um, there are so many things that we just do with the clients. They walk away smiling, and I'm just like, "Oh, I wish that happened in my office." Wait, <laughs> apparently this is what I'm the expert. That's in. what you do. <laughs> so, so yeah, I get you. So you get me. All yeah. right, fantastic. So, the, the question I've asked for. <laughs> I like that you get me. He didn't answer my question, but I like that there is oh, some man. compassion and empathy. There's camaraderie in the room. It's he all just, good. Don't ever say I'm not a good friend. <laughs> He just had a moment where he's like, man, I'm fulfilled. I can walk away from this conversation. Yeah, now. his job is done now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I get it. Someone has put into words what I've been feeling. So Mo, a question on that, like, and just it's a bit of a follow up on Lunga's point is, how do you know it's not a system or a process issue? Right. So like, how do you know, for example, you spoke about sales? Oh, right? actually, I'm going to jump in and play devil's advocate there. Do it. What happens if you don't have a person looking at processes and systems and you know exactly that it's a process and system issue and you're like, mm, maybe I need a process and systems. Person. <laughs> 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 so I don't know. I'm just like. Yeah, maybe I'm fast forwarding, maybe I'm jumping all over the place, but yeah. I'm just like, okay. That's a fair, it's a fair point. It's a fair point. I, I think, I, I, but before asking, I jump in, I want you to finish your thought process. But I think we're asking the same question. Yeah, how, yeah. Mm. how did you get there? Yeah, because it's like, you guys are so focused on doing the day-to-day -day operations of the stuff and roles like sales and marketing of the business fall by the wayside, right? How do you know mm. that it's not a case of you guys as a team need to have a sit down and say, guys, we need to have a clearly defined sales cycle, right? So we know that it takes six months from the time we first interact with a potential client to the time they send us a purchase order. Guys never do work without a PO. Um, Word. Uh, That's a whole other podcast. <laughs> Look, Cat, do not even stop me on wait, that one. Cat, do not even stop me on that one. That's a whole no, I, series. I, I it might even have there. a YouTube thing. A Take there. it to Netflix. Mm -hmm. Don't even get me started. I struck a nerve there. Ooh, yeah. Ooh. So, but yeah. Ooh. <laughs> What's the corporate version of Tinder? Of oh, Tinder? Because <laughs> <laughs> I was going for the, the Tinder the, swindler thing. The JSC swindler. The JSC swindler. Look, it's real. It's a real thing. <laughs> guys never ever do work without a PO. For real. Man. But wait, wait. So like, you know, it takes six months for you to, <laughs> to deliver that full sales cycle, right? Yeah, yeah. And you guys have an idea of what it takes to convert a customer. Is it not maybe a case where you guys need to sit down as a team and say, guys, we need to put in place checks and balances and measures to make sure that the sales cycle is happening. So either on a weekly basis, on a monthly basis, we are having a sales meeting as a team. We are looking at each other in the eyes and asking, listen, what clients have you spoken to this week? Or have you gotten to a point where you've understood the fact that there is a process that needs to be there, but when you've sat down and looked at each other, it's kind of like, I don't necessarily have the right skills to deliver on that. And that's why you've gotten to the point where you're saying you need to grow the team. So yes, 
yes, yes. Mm-hmm. But I'll elaborate on what I mean by <laughs> please, yes, yes, please, yes. Maybe. So I think there's two things. So, so when you're hiring people, right, you look at, there's two big buckets you look at, right? You, mm-hmm. Or rather when you're looking at your team and you're looking where you want to go and what the team needs to look like to build it that way. Obviously, you look at capacity and capability. Mm. So you look at their ability to do the work from a skill set and expertise perspective, which is what often is cap- capability. And then capacity is do you actually have it mm. in your in, in your day-to-day time to do that work? Mm. So internally as a team, capacity is an issue because mm-hmm. the team is stretched as is just trying to do the operations. Yeah. And, and I think that's an often thing that I think that's why it's a consultant's curse, right? Mm-hmm. I think most businesses yeah. struggle to do it because from a capacity perspective, we all have our hands full doing revenue generating work. Yeah. All right. And then there's the capability stuff that comes in, which is your expertise, but also your personality and all that other sweet HR stuff that people yeah. talk about, which then also is another gap where it's like, even if you, even if this person A had the, the extra two hours to do that work, yeah. they're probably the worst person in the team True. to do that work. True. Whatever that work is, in our case, would be like the marketing and sales stuff, yeah. but whatever that work would be for you guys. Don't you run a marketing agency? Yes, we do. <laughs> I'm just, like, I, I raise that because it goes back to that point, like, the worst work we do is for ourselves. Yeah. yeah. Like, you, your biggest problem right now is a marketing and sales funnel issue. Yeah. And yet you are able to deliver that. For our clients. For, for your clients. That is the, yeah. the, the definition of the consultant's curse. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Thanks, Lunga. That's why you're here. <laughs> oh, am I not here for the sweet <laughs> HR stuff? <laughs> that too. Yeah. That Guys, too. We've just lost all of our HR listeners. Episode one. Uh, yeah. Just like that. Um. <laughs> HR. Maybe you've just left an HR podcaster too. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> but it is the sweet HR stuff. I think you guys are reading far more into it than how I meant it. No, what I've taken from this is that I'm the sweet. <laughs> That's what I'm taking from this. That's what I choose to take from this. Okay. You're the sweet one. Yeah, yeah. I'm the sweet one. We love you, man. Lunga I'm voice. clearly yeah. the rose amongst yeah. the thorns. I'll, I'll take it every day. Thank you. But yes, yes, yes. Coming back to that. Um, Coming back to what you originally were saying, because thanks, Lunga, I've lost my train of thought now, but um, I'll come back. I'll, I'll get back to it just Consultants now. Consultants Because you were talking about, um, yes, that as well. But I think I've already mentioned, because like you said, we are a marketing and mm. events agency, end-to-end and everything. and mm. So we do all that stuff for our clients. But I know about the consultants, Chris, because even the guys who are service providers to us yeah. do the worst work for themselves. Yes. You know? And that's why I say that it's a, it's a team-building issue mm-hmm. because... When you build a business, the, well, at least what I've realized in my ex- experience is, is that there are activities that are revenue generating, mm-hmm. directly revenue generating. Yes. By which I mean, at when I'm done with this phone call, I've yes. got money in the bank. Correct. When I'm done with this meeting, I've got a PO. Mm-hmm. And then there's work that is a bit more in the mind. You're like digging for it. There's a mm-hmm. process. There's mm-hmm. timelines and, you know, and, and it takes a while for it to eventually become revenue generated. Yeah. What happens when there are capacity and capability constraints in a team is that that work eventually falls by the wayside. Chase the money. Because the revenue generating work yeah. takes priority because we need to have money in the bank. Sure. Even, even to have a marketing strategy and for fund sure. it, I need money in the bank. Yeah. So then you end up even pulling resources from those departments. So that's why, it is a team issue because there's yeah. a capacity and capability gap. Yeah. The processes and all that stuff, that is true. Mm. But I would say that the gap with the processes and the structures lies with alleviating that particular pain point. Mm-hmm. 
not with the team inherently itself as the trio or the duo mm. doing it themselves. Because obviously, if you're working with the client, yeah. you already have some sort of sales process yeah, yeah, yeah. inherent. But it's more on the delivery and operation side of things yeah. than it is on the pure, we're just going to, you know, work on cultivating and generating new clients. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know if that's making sense. That no, was a does. bit long winded, but yeah. It was, but it makes sense. You know, um, <laughs> sheesh. Just fine. Listen, I'm a storyteller. I always take a scenic route when I, don't I tell do a the story. I'm the sweet HR stuff, man. I'm straight to the facts. Yeah. Commercials, oh, numbers, strategy, oh, what? Let's deliver. <laughs> <laughs> But Mo, I've got a view. I've got a view on this. So I'm hearing you speak and I've bucketed this in to one side being commercial and the other side being corporate or central. I think me calling it corporate might be off-putting for someone who's definitely not in a corporate. But what I mean is the tasks that are central or niche and the value they bring and the work that is done commercially and the value it brings. So those two buckets, it's commercial value versus enablement value. Mm-hmm. Correct. Yeah. Right. So I think the commercial value proposition is very clear. Everyone's busy doing stuff that gets money. Cool. But in a business, especially when you're growing and you're trying to figure out how to manage capacity, how do you think about enablement value? Mm-hmm. So what I'm asking here is, when you're lean and you guys are running hard and everyone's priority is to bring in the money, I think what you need to do is clear. It's all hands on deck. You bring whatever you know to the table mm-hmm. and you're doing what you need to do. Once you sort of have a rhythm, people have their job descriptions and they know where they're going. Maybe the question I'm asking you is actually exactly where you are. But how do you start thinking about the value that people bring by doing work that enables you to do what you do best? Correct. Mm-hmm. Okay. 100%. It's exactly, that's exactly, you've hit the nail on the head, I think is the, the phrasing. It's exactly that. Yeah. And that's, and I think you're reframing the discussion, but it's about thinking differently about the enablement work. Yeah. Right. So for the purposes of this conversation, we can call that enablement value. Mm. And you can start to say, my next question to you is, am I right in assuming that all the enablement work being done in your in your business right now is being done by people who should be focusing on commercial value. Correct, yeah. On um yeah, commercial operational delivering, yeah. Okay. Well, I think maybe we can talk about what kind of things would go into like a rubric to measure this, but it sounds to me like the reason you know that you need to bring someone in mm-hmm. is everyone should be focused on commercial. And now you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing because you're busy enabling. The enablement is super important because it opens you up to go back and focus on the work that only you can do. Mm. Mm. It's counterintuitive. You can't do both. Yeah. Yes. Right. So in order for you to do the work only you can do, you need someone to come in and enable that. Mm. Correct. So essentially taking the enablement conversation and making it more about finding a person whose commercial responsibility it is to is enable you. And then for you to truly understand the value this person brings is yeah. to measure them appropriately. They're mm-hmm. never going to have something commercial as a KPI. Yeah. Mm. They need enablement KPIs, but you need to be able to draw a clear link to what they enable and the value it brings. Correct. Yeah. Okay. So essentially, I think that actually sums up the 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 conversation quite nicely in the sense that in order for you to get to a point where you make that decision, yes, I need to bring a person on. Yeah. 
is getting to that point where you are clear about how is bringing this person on enabling commercial value. Right. And then in terms of the process of deciding what is the right sort of person to bring on yeah. is when you can understand how they will enable that corporate value or that commercial value, I mean. Right. So once you've got a clear understanding of right now we've got a gap in terms of the sales function, right? So we figured out that the the commercial value that's unlocked here is getting new clients to get more revenue into the business, right? So that's that's the first component. The second component, understanding how that person is going to enable is you can then clearly define their KPIs. So they need to be bringing in X amount of clients a month or a quarter. They need to be having X amount of interactions, et cetera. Oh, wait, let's just try this another way. Yeah. We can go down the rabbit hole there. Let's mm. start by establishing what we need. So let's game this out. You yeah. gave an example of a sales cycle. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Kat, in a typical world where you are driving sales, can mm. you like take us through the steps of your, your just generic typical sales cycle, whether it's one you're using now or not? Yeah. yeah. So I think it depends where you're going to start, right? So, But essentially what you'd want to do is you'd want to kick off by having an – overview of who your potential clients are, right? So Mm -hmm. you understand what product or service you want to take to the market, what it is that you want people to buy and give you money for. And then from there, you sit down and you make a hit list of these are the 10, 20, 30 potential clients that I should be going after, right? And if you are a business-to-business situation, your list is going to be made up of business clients, so you list the names of specific clients. If you are a business-to-customer or business-to-consumer, you will then essentially define a profile for like who is the ideal customer. So we can keep it a little more high-level than that because yeah. what I want to demonstrate here is how we get to someone's KPIs if mm. their job was enablement versus driving something commercial. Yeah. So we don't even need to go into okay. as much detail. It's just yeah, like, yeah. okay, so we've identified the client. Yeah. Next, after you've identified the client, Where do you someone is responsible for reaching them and yeah. developing the business. Correct. Right? Okay. Correct. So, so, so volume, yeah. yeah. So essentially, where do, great, now you know who it is. Where do you find, find these them, people? Yeah. Once you figure that out, how do you get their attention? How do you get them to see value in coming to interact with you so you can make the sales pitch? Right. Yeah. Then you go into the sales pitch and after that, there's probably going to be some level of follow-up that needs to happen, right? So, like, people have meetings and then they forget about stuff. Like, unless it's, like, clear this is how it's making money for me today, yeah. odds are they're going to forget. So, you're going to have to do the the chasing and the following up with that potential client. Mm-hmm. Um, and then eventually get to a point where you guys are registered as a vendor if they've got that process or you guys have some sort of SLA. Again, along with not doing work without a PO, make sure you've got an SLA, like you're clear on what your deliverables are with your with your clients. And then once that SLA is in place, they'll give you a purchase order and then that effectively completes your sales cycle and now you go into delivery mode. Okay. So in this, I'm going to assume, back to you, Mo, someone who is supposed to be driving revenue in your business is really just focused in the things that are maybe they find the clients, maybe not. They don't need to do that. If their specialist skill is driving revenue, they're developing the business and they are potentially doing follow-ups, maybe not even then, because what is the what is the thing they do? They're there to sell, mm. right? So this whole business development bracket, that's probably where they want to work, Yeah. right? So the step before, identifying the clients, uh, figuring out the potential size of the prize with each of the clients, could be them, it could not be them. So there's a potential there for someone to come in and enable. BD, that's the specialist skill you want your people to focus on. Cool. That involves 
pitching, answering the objections, value proposition, all of that. Cool. The next step, I just put that under either continuing to build a relationship or signing on the business. That could be the person who's driving revenue. I think they should own the relationship, but they don't have to do all the legwork. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Therefore, another opportunity for someone to come in and do the enablement work. Then you've got the SLAs. Okay. Again, the relationship is owned by the person driving the business or the relationship, but they don't need to negotiate every single SLA. Mm-hmm. Another opportunity for enablement. And the PO and the processing and allowing the work to start being delivered, again, even more towards the enablement route. Yeah. So if we've identified four or five broad steps here, your commercial people should really only be doing one of them, and right now they're doing all of it. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Fundamentally the problem. Yeah. So what I'm seeing here is when you look at your business and you see what's falling over, you know exactly where the most delays are, where the balls are being dropped the most, where the cracks are. Correct. So I think a lot of the stuff that I'm seeing here is – Clerical, but with the mindset of someone who understands the context of the revenue being driven. Yes. Right. So then for your needs, for how much opportunity you want to create to help your people focus on commercial, it's not up to you to like start identifying what do I want someone to come in here and do? Mm -hmm. I definitely want them to process the PO. I definitely want them to be able to have stakeholder relationship management with the person that owns the relationship to say, you can't work yet. You should only be working under these circumstances. Therefore, you need to ask this, this, and this. So they need to be tuned into the commercial world. So whatever Mm -hmm. the experience is or whatever the case may be. Then you also need to be able to interact with the clients themselves because once the introduction has been made, Mm. do we have the business or not? Do they follow up? Do you need someone else to follow up? Is it appropriate for that same person to follow up to also raise the POs, whatever the case may be. You've got to look at all these buckets and start to ask yourself, who am I actually expecting to do this? Mm. And then you form a job spec. And the reason I'm glossing over this in a kind of high-level way is because it's a startup, man. Everyone yeah. does everything at some stage. Yeah. And it's also got to be tailored towards your needs, but it's got to be clear your reasoning behind why we're here and what I should do about it. Yeah. Correct. Mm. So in summary, in summary, I think I've just, we've identified that Commercially, your people are, th- are stretched thin, but they're doing well. Yep. You're not seeing the ROI you'd expect from their commercial efforts. Mm-hmm. Mm. We're also identifying the fact that they're doing a lot of enablement work that they shouldn't be doing, Yeah. in addition to them being stretched. Mm. So if you were to bring someone in, it sounds like you need, you need someone to come in and help your commercial people yes. mm-hmm. do only what they mm-hmm. can need do. Need to do, yeah. 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 That, uh, that's exactly it, nail on the head. Yeah. In summary. So, in summary, yeah. yeah. I think just a point to make around that, like because when when you are calling out those steps, it it, it comes across, and I think it is uh, a situation where, in certain instances, you actually need someone who's a specialist at each of those steps. Mm-hmm. But I think it's this is where you, as a as a business owner, a business leader, also need to take a step back and say, in the context of what I'm, I am doing, if I look at the current scale of the business, if I look at how fast my business is growing. Like you don't necessarily want to run out and hire a person for each of those spaces. Of course. If you're operating in a corporate environment where the volume of work is such that you need enough. a specialist business development person, you need a specialist around uh, drawing up and negotiating SLAs, et cetera, et cetera, then you'll do that. Um, but 
always like take the step back and say, guys, in the context of my business, like am I a, a startup that's still relatively early stage, only doing a couple of hundred K in turnover? Um, am I mid-sized? So I'm generating five to 10 million and I can afford to hire maybe one or two people mm. um, and then split the role. Am I a large corporate that now actually needs to have a specialist in, in each of these areas? Yeah. Look, I mean, once upon a time in another life, my job was to manage SLAs with vendors. Yeah. It, it is literally what I did for two years. You become a jack of all trades, mm. but you really are exposed to some of the nitty gritty things that happen in the niche of vendor relationship management. Yeah. So to your point, and maybe to most context a little bit as well, mm. you staff for the current need and you staff for a bit of capacity for growth. Correct. Right. Correct. Maybe you don't need a specialist because, Kat, to your point, yeah. a business doesn't require specialists. Yeah. But you know what? If there's someone who's just like very organized mm. and they have a passion for sales, mm. but they don't have sales experience, mm. but they're a sponge and they're sharp, yeah. okay, then make them do all the enablement stuff. Yeah. Because the day they do that well and the day the business grows, when they move and they transition into a frontline commercial role, yeah. There's a potential avenue for growth for them. Mm. So you're staffing for growth in the mindset of like this person can grow into yeah. a salesperson should they so wish. 100%. Or if they want to take on more capacity later and do more enablement stuff, yeah. let them do that. 100%. So it's not staffing for, I would, even if it's a startup, you don't staff just for today. 100%. You got to yeah. staff for growth. Yeah. Yeah. So Mo, mm -hmm. do you know what you need to do now? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, I know exactly what I need to do. I think in the context of this discussion, we're, we're quite far advanced in this. So everything that has come up is actually everything we've been talking about and thinking about and mm. are actually actioning, mm. um, across the different gaps. Yes. One, which I can tell you about there's a gap here, there's a gap mm -hmm. there and everything. So across the different gaps, this is actually the stuff that we're talking about doing. Mm. Obviously, as a starter, but obviously I think, uh, even from my experience with corporate, the hiring decision is never an easy one. Mm. It's always lengthy and do we really need to and how much and all that kind of stuff. So there's obviously mm. financial implications to everything we're talking yep. about, right? How many good men and women can you bring onto the team and mm. afford and so forth and, and, and that kind of stuff. So those are like the last boxes we're like trying to tick to see how do we find the right people, but within the right Financial, financial is the wrong word. Let me say the right sort of commercial or like fine. Yeah. Let me say the, the right remunerative bracket. Yes. Let me put it that way. The right. Such a politically correct way. Listen. Oh yeah. My yeah. The right remunerative bracket. Well, no. And you know why I say that? Because, <laughs> <laughs> no, because, because, um, remuneration is a far more broad term than yes. me saying commercial or financial. Yes. So there, are, there are more ways I can remunerate you. Then yes. if I say I'm going to give you financial benefit, I feel like this this is another topic that it, we it is to a whole other actually, topic <laughs> because people must see how much they are paying people. Anyway, um, <laughs> Mo, to answer your question about how you know, when you know, you know, man. Ooh. I'm joking. No, I agree. I'm joking. No, I actually do. Ag I actually do agree with that. When you know, you know. <laughs> yeah. But but when you know, you know. But have processes. Oh wait, wait, wait. This is potentially a different conversation we need to have. Okay. How do we actually hire? God damn it. I, no, I don't think we can unpack that one right now. Not today. No. Not today. No, not, not today. today but look, look, we, I, must, we must talk about it. Yeah. I think Lunga, if people want to know the answer to that question, they must hit you up for a consult, my guy, because, yeah. Because it's out. Ah, my goodness, guys. Uh -huh. You guys are amazing. It's although, incredible. <laughs> although, practices. although I just want to add, because I'm doing this for 
there's three different entities I'm involved in that I'm doing the same uh, exercise for. Yes. So looking at the gaps that exist. Yeah. And specifically looking at gaps that exist that are hindering growth. Mm. I don't care about any other gap. Mm. So the one thing that I'll add is understanding those gaps from a founders team. So the teams I'm working with are just run by the founders. Mm-hmm. So, so, so understanding that the core team, what, what their gaps yeah. actually are. Yeah. And that everybody in the team needs to be honest mm. about what those gaps are. I'm just like saying in, in my experience, what I've learned in the last like month of doing this work mm. is everybody needs to be honest about those gaps yeah. and not be concerned about how they reflect on what you've delivered or yes. what your role in the business will be moving forward. 100%. Right. So just, be, just say what mm. I suck at sales. Mm-hmm. And this is something where, We've had to be honest about it as a team to be like, we're not going to sell, you know, like insurance. It's not, I'm, I'm not going to get you to buy the insurance policy. That's not my sales strategy. Mm. I'm a creative. I sell creative. Mm. I sell a look and feel. I sell a, a feeling and an idea. Mm-hmm. And if you're not buying it, it's fine. I need to move on. Yes. Right. But maybe that's not what the business needs. It needs somebody who can actually sit and work at it yeah. again and again. Yeah. So that's the first thing. The second thing I will echo is looking into the short term, but with the long term in mind, which I think is something we are always sort of chatting about yeah. offline, yeah. about working for the short term, but with the long term yeah. in mind when you're hiring people. And then the last thing I will add, which I think we were just alluding to now about it being about um, how, like how you actually go about hiring yeah, is make sure when you hire, you're hiring people who actually buy into what you're building. And yeah. I'm speaking, I think it works from a corporate perspective as well, but for a startup, to hire the wrong people yeah. is far more damaging oh, yes. than it will ever bring you any value. So like, make yeah. sure you're hiring yeah. for the, the right personalities. Yes. A lot of people have skills, but uh-huh. not everybody has the personality to be in your business. 100%. And, and then please, please, please onboard them properly. Onboard yes. them yeah. and support them <laughs> yeah. properly. Please <laughs> yeah. don't, don't skimp on that. Like, yes. Don't skimp on onboarding and supporting them properly during those first couple of weeks or months as they're trying to get their feet running and so forth. Yeah. So Mo, I was actually about to say, as you were landing this, I was going to follow up with saying, we should talk about this in a while and talk about your experiences in onboarding the people yeah. and how well they've done in closing the gap, but what you do yeah. to support them to come in and be successful. That's a good We one. should come back and talk about that. We should actually come that. back to mm. that, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that, that was I nice. That. I, I that like this good. topic. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Mo, I hope you get the help. I hope we helped in some way. Hopefully. Yeah. No, most deaf, most deaf. You gave me some stuff, some stuff to think about. Some stuff to think about. Oh, think, about to think about the duff. Yeah, man. Duff. Think about the duff, man. Duff, duff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but um, you know what's funny is that, like, actually hiring people is a very interesting process to go to when you've never actually had when you, when you've never done it before. It's a very yes. interesting thing to look at people's CVs and everything we've just spoken about right in yes. theory doing it practically is yes. very interesting yes. to actually go about it and then see these people in your company and then building it up and everything Yes, and I think it's interesting that we're now back to that discussion because prior to COVID like two years ago yeah. we were actually doing that stuff mm-hmm. and then COVID hit it's like you can't hire nobody yeah and COVID hit and it was like <laughs> stop all the hiring exercises stop sending us CVs We'll call you when everything has settled. Yes. So it's kind of cool to see that we're kind of circling back to that two years later. Nice. Um, and that, yeah, the COVID cloud is slowly getting dissipating. I don't think it's dissipating. I think we're just like learning to breathe the air. The COVID. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little counterintuitive, but sure. You've been listening to another production from Solid Gold Podcasts.